Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the End Time Tribune, covering breaking news and current events as it pertains to Bible prophecy. In effect, chronicling the coming of Christ the King. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the End Time Tribune. It's March 22nd, 2017. Ladies and gentlemen, the amount of instigations that have occurred this week is simply off the charts. I have a bad feeling that this will turn into another broadcast like last week, we've got a couple of issues that quite simply must be discussed, Uh, one of which is the Russian bombers. They buzzed us three days with no reply. Now, ladies and gentlemen, back in the 70s, somebody would have been court-martialed. It wasn't until day four that they were intercepted by U.S. fighters. Really? Think about what I just said. I mean, I understand that the people working at NORAD do, in fact, require time off in order to sustain 100% capabilities. However, I seriously doubt that the entire NORAD staff was on vacation for three days in a row. Ladies and gentlemen, we had power outages this week overlapping major cities, first time in history, because, of course, this really wasn't released out into the national news, so it didn't really go anywhere. It was regulated to basically the local news sources, and they all seem to be screaming the same thing. What is going on? There's not a cloud in the sky. No storms. Nothing out of the ordinary, just no power. Ladies and gentlemen, we had attacks uh, this week. Again, of course, off the charts. Erdogan gained dictatorial-like powers, and our president called to congratulate him. It was released in J-Post this week, April the 16th, that Israel must be ready for a confrontation with Hamas. This summer. Things are really ramping up, ladies and gentlemen. It is off the charts, the amount of things that are going on. And and let's keep in mind... We need to watch for the rise of nationalism, and I find it quite disturbing that the French elections are finally 
over. Of course, the votes must be counted, but just take note there was a surge for this radical right-winger, Le Pen. It was almost like the terrorist attack in Paris was quite strategically planned because within hours of the attack, it came out in French news sources, I was watching them, that all of a sudden Le Pen surged in the polls. Ladies and gentlemen, just consider this headline. Erdogan Turkish referendum results victory against crusaders. Ladies and gentlemen, we've been trying to direct your attention to the Balkans. This was released in the Washington Post on April the 18th. Germany, Russia, Ukraine, and France discuss Ukraine peace deal. Ladies and gentlemen, why is Germany, Russia, and France involved with a purely Ukrainian issue? A little meddling in the revolution, shall we say? This really bothered me. April the 18th, police raid ultra-Orthodox Jewish newspaper and arrest 28. They claimed that it was due to, well, gangster-style accusations against the Orthodox Jews. They're saying they were forcing people to run advertisements in their paper. The only problem is, is that when I looked at the newspaper, I immediately knew what this was for because the picture was, of course, a picture of the Orthodox Jew standing outside the recruiting office. I mean, almost blatantly and in your face, letting you know that this was done in retaliation against the Jews' resistance into issuance into the army. What happened this week in Georgia? I mean, ladies and gentlemen, everybody knows that the state of Georgia is purely Democrat. Because this very week, ladies and gentlemen, things have gone topsy-turvy. It's going to fall into the hands of, once again, what has been called, uh, well, a nationalist, a populist, as things continue to twist and contort until everything is going to wind up topsy-turvy. Ladies and gentlemen, please get your trays into the upright positions. Fasten your seatbelts. We, your host, Clinton Kowatch, Brian Ingram, and Matthew Miller have oiled the saddles. We have brushed the steeds down. We are ready to ride. Why, you're going to pull those pistols and whistle Dixie. Let's ride.
Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the End Time Tribune. Let's get Clinton right in the saddle. Clinton, why don't you give us a brief overview for uh, what you think the main issue this week was. Of course, uh, say hello to all the listeners. And then we'll get Brian uh, after your brief summary of the week, please. Yeah, not a problem. Uh, glad to be back with everyone. And uh, I think uh, one of the big issues for me that people aren't necessarily paying attention to is this uh, uh, debt ceiling and this uh, uh, spending bill that's supposed to be put in next week. Um, and the fact that neither side is even close to passing this, which means that we're probably going to have a government shutdown that's going to happen next week. Um, so that's just a little bit tidbit, not even counting, you know, Russia, uh, you know, sending their planes over by Alaska four days in a row. Um, we have everything that's developing in North Korea, and uh, it's just getting exciting. So glad to be back, and that's a nice little brief analysis for you guys. All right, Brian, I know you've been uh, working on major issues there in the background, but what's your what's your brief overview of this week and what you think was a major point of contention? What's been what's been occupying your thoughts about all the news that's come out this week, Brian? Brian, I'm sorry about that. Not, buddy. My, uh, my mute button wasn't working correctly. Well, uh, let's see here. I mean, this week has had so many different things going on here. This event with Turkey is absolutely explosive once you comprehend the fact that, well, this time around the ride as, uh, what would you call that? They call this the um, reemergence of the Ottomans something that Erdogan had been pushing for for years. That solidified that in place. The Balkans, as is usual, but even more so now, is turning into an absolute flashpoint. We had major ISIS attacks in Afghanistan. We had major things crop up in Pakistan. We had the uh, events that happened here in France. Let's see here. It just sort of keeps boiling. A massive multitude of events have been going on inside of Israel uh, with varied things. We have a UNESCO resolution that's going to go up for vote on May 1st. That essentially in its writing is claiming that Israel has no claim to Jerusalem whatsoever. And we've seen the fallout that these UNESCO revolutions resolutions have had in the past everybody so that's a rather large one and i guess that's just you know the tip the tip of a very huge huge flashpoint in every direction that's really rolling things forward at an unprecedented rate and let us not forget the saber rattling that's going on with korea as we speak with North Korea. Absolutely major points all across the board that need to be addressed individually, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, we've got serious developments here, and none of them can really be any good at all. None of them. But uh, we're going to have uh, Clinton come on. I think that uh, everybody enjoys uh, the layout we've done so far. 
Clinton always goes first, and Brian, he's next up to bat, and then I. Um, I received several emails uh, this week. It seems like that we have a booming uh, listenership in South Africa, Australia, and New Zealand. It seems like that all the English-speaking countries uh, down under uh, have picked us up. I'm not sure where they got a hold of us from, but several uh, emails that way. I think uh, four from South Africa this week, three from both Australia and New Zealand. So uh, very interesting that's been coming up, but they – they praised the show lineup and how it was working out, and I guess uh, everybody seems to be happy when I don't get a chance to uh, cover the news on my own program. So, <laughs> uh, that's ate up. All right, so we're just going to go ahead and have uh, Clinton roll first, and uh, ladies and gentlemen, please do consider what it is that we're going to be covering tonight because we really don't have a whole lot of time to talk about everything because there's so many major developments just this week. So, Clinton, uh, step up to the batter's box and swing away. Yeah, no problem. Uh, I kind of mentioned on it earlier uh, about uh, the debt ceiling. Uh, we had uh, an issue because it was back in March 15th was when they were supposed to pass this, and they just keep kicking the can, kicking the can. And, and now the deadline is the, the 29th, I believe, or the 28th. Now, I just want to read something real quick from a Business Insider that came out. Uh, said the next big test of the GOP, GOP unity and its ability to get something done will be on April 28th expiration of the continuing budget resolution funding the government. Uh, this should be an easy obstacle to overcome. It is simple. The current uh, service budget funds all programs under current law with the only adjustment made for inflation. If they can't come together on such a simple piece of legislation, how can they ever come to, to terms on difficult policy issues? This means tax reform itself. The primary basis for Wall Street's record-setting rally may be comprised uh, uh, or the best deeply diluted. If the GOP fails to quickly pass a clean extension the prospect of tax return or tax reform will be diminished rather uh, further, and markets will have to adjust. So, so basically, what they ended it with that just little tidbit um, is if they cannot come to some agreement by the 28th, which is in six days, uh, they anticipate a correction in the market. Well, we we kind of understand that there's already a correction in the market coming. They're just kind of using this as an excuse, and it's just kind of interesting that we. Um, have to pass this or the government's going to shut down and, and we're going to have federal workers that are going to lose their payments. Now, when it comes to the market dropping, uh, there's actually uh, an analysis that came out um, uh, briefly. Actually, I want to go back to the spending bill for just one second. So now one hurdle that they're going to have with the spending bill um, is the priority list from the Trump administration. And the top priority within the Trump administration is the building of the wall like it, it we're not trying to fund the government or make people you know get paid for doing their job the top is is to fund the wall um the second is to hire people to fund the immigration policy that's coming through uh th those are the two top priorities and and they've come out publicly saying you know that well you know they anticipate not passing this pending bill and then just doing a temporary bill to kick it down the curb to maybe this fall, you know, so they're not even really trying to work on this. Um, but they're coming out saying, you know, they, they really going to try to help 
Um, now, one thing is they're going to be putting in uh, – one request is a $30 billion request for cash infusion to the military and controversial provisions to be given the administration greater latitude to deny certain federal grants to sanctuary cities that refuse the cooperation of immigration enforcement of federal authorities. So basically, we, to pass this, this spending bill, to keep the government running, we're going to have to enforce the immigration policy. Now, a lot of people are saying that Trump has no teeth to stand on, no, no, uh, nothing to really go with with this. Um, but what he has come out and said that his plan to do um, is he threatens to withhold the payments for low-income people for their health insurance through Obamacare. And that's how he anticipates to get Democratic support to pass this, is to basically defund poor people's health care. Um, okay. <laughs> just, just saying that just makes me feel dirty. Uh, just, just saying that that is kind of the, the process and where we're headed to try to pass a bill to keep the government going is to cut health care from poor people. Um, now, to go into the markets, you know, with the, the anticipate the spending bill is going to cause the markets to go down. Well, there's a report that came out from CNBC that was uh, basically doing a, a survey and it said four out of five professional investors believe the U.S. stocks are overvalued um, and that they're fleeing to other parts of the world to compensate. So investors are already leaving the stock market at this point. Um, they're looking for investments overseas um, or any other place. Uh, 83% of respondents said that domestic stocks are too expensive. Um, and a record data, it, basically the record goes back to 1999, right before the tech bubble. So, so we're running into where we have uh, the stock markets overinflated. Um, we know that that's happened because we can see that the spending from the central banks, um, they have spent over a trillion dollars in 2017, basically on equities, basically on propping up their own stock is basically what that means. So they're trying to prop it up as investors are leaving to go overseas. And, and we can even see that a big portion of that. So in Canada in Ontario, they just passed a 15% tax on people buying Canadian homes that are not Canadian because so many people from outside of Canada are trying to purchase homes because they have no idea what to do with their money. They, they have no idea where to go. The stock market is, you know, scaring people because it's so high. Most analysts are saying it's too valued. They're having a government shutdown, and they're saying that they anticipate the market to go down. We have um, people buying real estate and inflating the market to where people in Canada can't even afford it, so they're putting a tax on there to stop them from, from doing it. And then on top of that, now we're seeing governments start to act as well. I mean, we, we know this. what's going on down in Venezuela um, has been crazy for, for a couple of years now. Uh, they've had hyperinflation to the point that um, their currency was worthless. Uh, people were going to the zoos and slaughtering animals to find food. Uh, they had hundreds of thousands of people going to the bordering countries to try to find food. Um, and then just recently, the Venezuelan government supposedly took over a General Motors manufacturing plant. Well, I, I dug a little bit more into this, and it, it turns out that this uh, plant has been in litigation for a little bit. They've been uh, fighting with them for a while, but the plant hasn't been producing anything since 2015. So they basically took over a plant that really hasn't really been producing anything. 
And the only parts that they're really producing are just like replacement parts. They're not even repro- re- reproducing like cars or anything. So it, it definitely seems like a ploy. Plus, Venezuela had the ability to do this back in 2010, and they never did. So the timing is very, very interesting. And I think it just shows the desperate nature of what's going on in Venezuela. They have protests that are getting incredibly violent where people are dying at this point. And still, no one's looking into it. Well, recently it came out that Venezuela um, only has $10 billion in their reserves. Now, countries keep a, a certain amount of cash in the reserves, so that way if there's an event of a government shutdown or an event that they can't you know, pay to do the government, they have a little bit of cash in their back pocket. Um, hence, the United States has that amount of cash in their back pocket till Memorial Day. Uh, so, so we're kind of in a very similar situation in Venezuela, but Venezuela has $10 billion in reserves left. And that sounds like a lot of money, but the problem is um, a good $7 billion of it is in gold bars. So they don't even have the cash. They have to find someone to buy $7 billion worth of gold to be able to make cash to run the government for the rest of the year. And right now they, they already owe $6 billion. So they have $10 billion. They owe $6 billion and $7 billion in, in gold. So they're, they're, they're in a major issue to where the government's about ready to go into major default. And so it, that could destabilize South America, unfortunately, because, I mean, all those people, it's going to be another refugee issue where people are going to be trying to leave Venezuela unless something happens to, to help with these people down there. And it's getting very, very scary from an economic standpoint. Um, I mean, even, you know, people are talking about that ESPN is going to be laying people off. Uh, you know, I mean, that, that just shows the extent. We talked about last, uh, last week about how there's, they're anticipating 3,500 retail stores closing this spring. Um, so, so when it comes to an economic standpoint, we're in some serious grounds. Now, there's, I want to switch just a little bit of gears from economics to something that just absolutely disturbed me. And uh, this is uh, from BBC News, and, and we, we know Facebook and, and Mark Zuckerberg, uh, that he has higher aspirations. He's even commented that one day he would like to run for president. Um, now we have Facebook, his team is working on brain-powered technology. Um, I, when I first saw this come out, I, I didn't believe it, and it wasn't until I saw it everywhere that I started looking into and believing what it is. But... Uh, Facebook says it's working on technology to allow us to control computers directly with our brains. It is developing silent speech software to allow people to type at a rate of 100 words per minute. The project in its early stages will require new technology to detect brain waves without needing invasive surgery. We are not asking about decoding your random, uh, random thoughts. We have many thoughts. You choose to share some of them. We're talking about decoding those words to a silent speech interface, one with all the speed and flexibility of voice. So our brains, Zuckerberg went on to say that our brains produce enough data to stream four HD TVs every second. The problem is the best way that we have to get the information into the word is speech. And that can only be transmitted at the rate of about uh, a 1980s modem. So they're working on a system uh, to type directly in, from the brain to the computer. 
Um, now, they went on, and this is the part that kind of disturbs me, is they went on in the article, and they, current, they said that basically they don't have the ability to achieve these goals at this point without implementation. It says, with this announcement, Facebook is envisioning technology that is far in advance of anything currently possible. To achieve sophisticated brain control with uh, today's technology requires the implementing of a computer chip into the brain. So when you talk about this kind of crazy world that is developing, where they're talking about possibly implanting chips into the brain so that way you can communicate to a computer, when, when is the line drawn between humanity and being a cyborg and no longer being God's creation. And, and this just, this just kind of scares me that it's coming to this. And it, it's weird how the article and how the presentation from Zuckerberg is, is brought out. It says, this is what we want to do. This is the vision. We can do it right now with implementation, you know, implanting chips, but we want to envision a world without the implanting of chips. The, the problem I see is if they go to implanting chips they're not going to then not implant chips. It, that doesn't make any sense to go backwards like that. You would think that they would do it without chips and then move to implanting chips, not the other way around. So it, it, it doesn't make much sense to try to do it without the chip implementation. And unfortunately, that leads to this world that, where mankind can't even control their thoughts. And if you can't control your thoughts, then you have no privacy anymore whatsoever. And the fact that Facebook is coming up with this technology, a social, you know, a social media network, just, just drives me crazy. I mean, this is going to be voluntarily that people are going to want to do this. And I, I really think that this is a slippery slope that, that is going to, you know, bring mankind to a very destructive course. Um, so I, I, I wanted to bring that up to you guys and kind of get your view on what you think of that technology and, and see, see if you guys have heard of anything like that as well. Well, Clinton, <clears throat> I certainly have. Um, just this week, I, I, I've been doing some side studies into the fourth industrial revolution. Nobody sees this coming, but I've seen it in one news item, so I investigated. And, uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is this is coming down the barrel. Um, you might want to do some searches for this new Alexa. It is. You're going to be hearing a lot more about it. You can buy these buttons, ladies and gentlemen, from Amazon. Distribute them wherever you want to in your household. You can distribute them on your toilet paper dispenser. When you run out of toilet paper, you push the button. Amazon automatically reorders it. Now, the Alexa platform has been underway for quite some time. Please look into it. But you distribute these speakers, and you just can talk anytime you want to. Alexa which, of course, is the feminine form of Alexander, make no mistakes. You tell her that you need milk. She goes directly to Amazon and orders it. And I was amazed today as I was 
weeding the garden with my wife. She was so very quick to tell me that basically there was a war going on between two different groups. <laughs> Amazon is one of them. And they're working wholesale to put as many people out of work as possible, so to speak. Now, that might not be their intentions, but that's what's being accomplished. And it's enough to really boggle your mind. Uh, this week, where I saw about the Fourth Industrial Revolution, which is the advent of AI. You've heard Brian preach about it and preach about it and preach about it. Ladies and gentlemen, this is, this is real. This internet of all things will quickly consume all that is in its field of vision. Quickly. And it's really quite bothering to me. Now, the only reason why I was keeping my eyes open for AI was because I talked about it, I don't know, six months ago. And I think Brian's going to probably talk a little bit about it again. Because, ladies and gentlemen, you don't – look, this is serious. We had four major cities with power outages in the same day. A number one, congratulations. That's the first time that's ever happened in America. Not a cloud in the sky. No thunderstorms, no nothing. Now, when you look into it, you're like, why isn't this on the news and why aren't they telling all the location? Because when I saw it, it chilled me to the bone. When I saw that Detroit was included in that, then I knew what they were going after. Because, ladies and gentlemen, you don't go down the St. Lawrence Seaway and not run into Detroit. All your access in and out of the Great Lakes for shipping St. Lawrence Seaway. I hope you understand what I'm talking about. If not, please look it up. You hit New York. Well, ladies and gentlemen, everybody knows that the United States Navy during World War II, they went and asked who for help. Of course, the mafia that was running the docks, and they agreed to keep their eyes out for German U-boats. Now let's go to the other two cities. Major, major ports. With just a click of the mouse, a flick of the switch. Ladies and gentlemen, this wasn't a test. It was a probe. That's how it's referred to in military vernacular. You're probing the enemy's defenses. The only problem is, please tell me which enemy it was, because we have many. Now, I would feel a whole lot safer if these enemies were official, like Russia. I'm good with that. North Korea, I'm fine with that. I know that enemy. I can see it. I can look it up on a map. However, ah yes, that famous phrase in the Constitution, enemies both foreign and domestic. Ladies and gentlemen… Uh, Brian has went to great lengths to tell you that this Julian Assange, he's just a scapegoat. He's not getting inf any information. He's having it supplied to him. Now, 
we know that he is the superhero of hackers. He's their superhero. And here over the past week, I've been seeing several news articles in references that the United States is threatening to extradite him. This puts us in a whole different ballgame, doesn't it? What if it was hackers that took down those four cities? You can't see them. You can't touch them. They don't have an address. They do not have grid coordinates. They have no elected officials. That is one dangerous enemy indeed. However, if these power plants were closed circuits... That would mean that somebody would have to have been on location at the site to take them down by hacking. Oh, ladies and gentlemen. Now let's go back to our other major enemies. First off, Russia is not our enemy, but North Korea is certainly is. Ladies and gentlemen, all they'd have to wait and do is wait for hackers to take down the grid in several key locations and then hit us. You know, let me ask you something. Seriously, I want you to take us to heart, ladies and gentlemen. I looked at the pictures of the fighters that were intercepting the Russian bombers. That's not what they were doing. They were flying flank. Just look at the pictures. Ladies and gentlemen, they were intercepting them. They would have been behind them in order to probably acquire radar lock. I mean, you all have seen this on movies many times. When a fighter acquires radar lock, of course, an alarm goes off in the cockpit. You don't fly flank for them. They were painfully and painfully flying in flank formation around those Russian bombers. Now, why would they do this? Because, ladies and gentlemen, you have to think like Alexander the Great. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, how many of you have looked up Anchorage, Alaska? Do you have any idea why it's special? You see, because... It's second only to New York City because most of the people that live in the state of New York actually live in New York City. Well, Anchorage, Alaska, 40% of the people that live in Alaska live in Anchorage. Its extended metropolitan area holds 400,000 people. When's the last time any of you looked at a map? <laughs> if you were a North Korean sub, you wouldn't go to the left coast. You wouldn't go to Hawaii. You would submerge yourself right off the cliff that naturally forms off of the continental shelf. You'd ride it right up to Alaska. Are you so sure, ladies and gentlemen, that Russia wasn't trying to protect her borders? That's what I would do. If it was me, and I was in charge of the Russian military... And I'd acquired information that 
a major power was getting ready to go psychotic, I would send bombers to guard exactly where they'd come from, which just happens to be exactly – ladies and gentlemen, look it up. It's exactly where they went. Now, it provides a suitable means for the reason why they were not escorted, so to speak, the first three days. Are you so sure that NORAD doesn't know this information too? And, of course, did we not alert the Russians that we were going to hit an airbase with 59 Tomahawk cruise missiles? What makes you think they didn't give us a heads up and say, hey, man, we're going to patrol this border because uh, North Korea is getting ready to hit you? Food for thought, and I'm rambling on. Uh, and I shouldn't be. It's Brian's turn. Brian, we got seven minutes up to the break. Uh, please uh, take over for us and uh, give us a diatribe. Uh, I didn't mean to take so much time there, but Clinton asked what my thoughts were, so I gave them as loosely as I could. So jump on here, Bri, and uh, give us a spill before we take a break, please, and then you can take over after the break as well. Well, I guess, you know, I'd like to touch some of the uh, things that were brought up there. I mean, uh, let's go to the absolute direct question as far as uh, this technology they're developing that is trying to tap into the mind to use that to uh, basically control and uh, dictate to your machines and all that. This is, you know, this is technology that they've been talking about for a very long time. Now, this gets a little problematic, though, I must say, due to the fact that, for one, folks, you know, step back for a moment and uh, ask yourself, why was Facebook created in the first place? I mean, basically, everybody has now jumped on there, and they pretty much give away every single thing they're doing to the point of absolute ridiculousness. It's been the perfect intel gathering system from the word go. And lo and behold, once you have Mark Zuckerberg coming forward and saying, well, we're going to do this thing to tap into your mind. Folks, we've stepped into the twilight zone at this point. You know, and Matthew had touched on the artificial intelligence. Folks, you have no idea what these things are capable of as far as the artificial intelligence is concerned. And let's just take that last um, portion there of what was stated as far as quote-unquote intelligence. Now, if any of you folks out there happen to watch your security records on your router, you will find out that you're going to be pinged probably at least um, a bare minimum of one time per day, if not up to 12 to 36 times per day, by a group that traces back to a United States intelligence gathering quote-unquote experiment. And they've been doing this stuff for a long time, folks. I mean, we had the whole explosive garbage that came out a little while back where everybody went ballistic and goes, oh, well, they can monitor everything we're doing with all of our de devices, etc." Folks, you should have already known this. I mean, I'm sorry, the very moment that we stepped into this variation of technology, especially once the military project of the internet was put into place, there was nothing you did that was secret. 
And if there's anything that you're doing that quote unquote should have been kept secret, then I have to ask myself, what are you doing? Nonetheless, this is what we're dealing with as far as these things go. Now, is this an artificial, uh, artificial intelligence excruciatingly dangerous? Here, let me give you an indication of how well this stuff can think. Now, many of you out there probably saw the J.R.R. Tolkien, the Lord of the Rings movies. But there was something that very interesting that happened when they were doing the big battle scene at the end there where they had to have, you know, literally hundreds of thousands upon thousands of orcs in the background coming in to attack all the good guys, etc. In order to do that, what they had to do was program an artificial intelligence that was capable of basically running the battle on their own. Now, when they went back through the footage when they were doing, the programmers and the editors noticed something very disturbing. They actually found in the footage that there were orcs that had went into self-preservation mode and began to retreat. You know, and this is at earlier stages of this artificial intelligence. To give you an indication of the capabilities of it. Now, anybody out there that has played any form of video game where you have to tactically go up against whatever it may be, you're dealing with artificial intelligence in those. And the artificial intelligence in these video games is literally unbelievable at this point. They have programmed them to think for themselves. So now when you have AI governing essentially everything, and these things are capable of thinking for themselves, well, what happens when all of a sudden one of these AIs decides that I don't like what I see? Now maybe it's time to do something about it. I mean, those are the folks that listen to us that have access to television programs and streaming subscriptions and so forth. You might want to go in and check out the last couple of seasons of Person of Interest if you want to get a um, a bit of an understanding of how dangerous this really is because, folks, if you thought that was fiction in that show, for those of you that have watched that, you've got another thing coming because I noticed a multitude of things in that show that had already been done. And most of the public is not even remotely close to aware of it. So sometimes these fictional premises, well, they do what they do as is atypical they have a base in reality that they're bringing forward. So, I mean, we're dealing with something very dangerous on that level. Now, Matthew brought up the possibility of cyber cyber attacks hitting our infrastructure. And as I had to explain to him prior to the show, well, first off and foremost, because I haven't looked deeply enough into this yet, but whoever it is that set up these infrastructures that they had at least a couple of brain cells in their mind, they would have realized that you need to put this on some sort of close, closed network, something that is not attached to the internet, which would be no different than, for instance, how the intelligence agencies would run their inside servers in their own buildings, etc. I've built all kinds of this stuff in the past to set up servers through Linux space, etc. I know how this stuff works. If this is the way that they have the grid set up, that means that you have to have inside on the ground access to be able to even remotely come in 
and trigger anything. Now, if this is the case, that means in order to do this, somebody has to be on the ground in walking distance, can sneak right in there and go, boom, with a button, lights out. That, as Matthew brought up, brings in all sorts of messy equations. And as he pointed out, folks, do not forget foreign and domestic. As we speak, we have got a slow boil to the point where people are just going to snap in the United States at any given moment. And if you can't see it, I don't know what to say. But it's been boiling and boiling. This nation became divided with this last election cycle, and it is coming to a head. Now, Matthew and I talked about this earlier in the week. A mass majority of these, um, the quote-unquote right-wing media, uh, fake news, because that's what they were, have begun unraveling. Folks, Alex Jones, he's done. Breitbart, everybody out there that has watched this knows that's run by a bunch of neo-Nazis. Fox took a major hit this week, and this just keeps going. Now, if you remember your history... You know, there's certain things that an infamous dictator earlier in history did. Well, his first targets were he moved into the church. He eradicated the media. He began rounding people up. We know how this show works. It's been done multiple times in history. That's how it has always been done. But now all of a sudden where our commander in chief has been revealed a multitude of times where he's messed up with something he's said on Twitter, and it's been revealed exactly where his news sources were coming from. And it's rather frightening when you realize he's been getting most of his news from Alex Jones, who just admitted that everything he's been doing has been a stage show, an act. And that's where he was getting his news from. Gets us into some sticky situations. Rather troubling, as a matter of fact. And that's my spiel before break here, uh, Matthew or Clinton, if either one of you want to jump in in this remaining nine minutes. Clinton, you want to comment there or you want me to? <clears throat> well, I, I'd like to say something. I mean, uh, you know, with, with these power outages, we, we know that, for instance, North Korea has talked about that they um, there's two different ways that they would attack the United States, uh, one of which is the use of an EMP, um, which is basically to take out the entire United States uh, electronic grid. Um, the other thing that uh, North Korea has talked about is, is using a nuke to hit Yellowstone. Um, those are the two things that, that they've come out with. And it was just interesting to see the outages everywhere. I mean, the one that I heard uh, the most was out of San Francisco. Um, and it was a, a massive outage. And, and no one really knew why or, or what the reason for it was. Um, but it's, it's kind of hidden in that direction to where we know that that's going to be something that is targeted. That is something that is going to be attacked is, is our infrastructure. Um, our power grid, our, our roads, our bridges, our, you know, our dams. I mean, everything is, is falling apart at this point. Um, and, and it doesn't make a, any sense on how we plan on using our, our resources to, to do things. 
Um, when it goes back to the, you know, this technology coming out with Facebook, I mean, they're even talking about this skin hearing to where you'll be able to uh, somehow, you know, speak in English and the other person will hear in Chinese or I, it just sounds so far fresh out there. It's just, it's just ridiculous kind of what they're moving towards. But we know that the direction is to dehumanize man in, in some way. Um, and it's, and either that's going to be the use of, you know, computer chips or cyborgs or, or something. And that, and that kind of makes where a lot of people are thinking this technology is leading towards, you know, the, the mark, um, you know, that, that is either, you know, it's going to restrict people's ability to function within society um, because of something like this. That, that is a possibility. We, we don't know until it's, it's put in place, but it's a possibility. Um, when we're talking about, you know, craziness in, in science, I mean, there was also reports that they released, you know, what was it? hundreds of thousands or 20,000 mosquitoes. Yeah, it was 20,000 mosquitoes down in Florida. And they were male mosquitoes that they, they had altered to basically take out the female mosquito that is carrying the Zika virus. You know, so, I mean, we have technology that's working in positive areas, uh, for instance, with the, the attack on Zika. But then we have it happening in negative areas, which is, is you know, changing our society. Um, you know, what Brian was talking about where the United States is, is definitely separated. I mean, you, you, anywhere you talk to anyone, um, either they want to hear the, the truth or if it's, a, you know, used from a source that they believe is fake news, then they just completely disregard the information. And I mean, I was, you know, raised at CNN and Fox News and MSNBC and CNBC and all those were legitimate news sources. And now people are, are questioning where they get any information. Uh, with the, the fall of Alex Jones, I think that was very disturbing to, to know that, that someone would be that animated of a character. And he came out and said that he was just playing a role, that this is not how he was he was just acting well alex you you incited a lot of people to to believe a, a way that is causing our nation to wage towards a, a major conflict um internally and and you can't just say i'm, I'm sorry you know don't don't take my kids away because i was acting that that doesn't that doesn't work. And, and that's the sad thing about it. I mean, you look anywhere, you look Fox news, you look at uh, Breitbart, you look at WikiLeaks, you look at any of these information. I mean, the, the press, we, no one knows what the truth is. No one knows where to look. And that, and that is prophesied. That is talked about that we will experience a time like this. So, you know, we have to be prepared to to dig and, and watch and understand exactly what the developments are, because we know from from watching this administration is when they're making a move like saying, oh, there's an armada of ships heading towards North Korea. The truth is they're heading towards Australia, but don't look because we're doing something else over here. And we've we got to continue watching what that something else over here is. Because that's where it seems to be the truth is, is lying in a lot of areas. So I'll leave that up to you guys and we'll head towards a break whenever you're ready.
Well, Clinton, you know, you just had to throw that up in our face about this debt ceiling, about which is the same exact time that POTUS ends his 100 days. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm, I wasn't going to cover this, but let me say this. Do you not know what the Lord your God says about one end of the heavens to the other? Because you should. Here. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 32. Indeed, ask now concerning the former days which were before us, since the day that God created man on the earth and inquire from one end of the heavens to the other, has anything been done like this great thing? Or has anything been heard of it? Ladies and gentlemen, Psalms 19, verse 6. Its rising is from one end of the heavens and its circuit to the other end of them. And there is nothing hidden in its heat. Just take note of that. Nothing is hidden from its heat. Of course, Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 13. When he utters his voice, there is a turmoil of waters in the heavens. He causes the clouds to ascend from the end of the earth. He makes lightning for the rain and brings out the wind from its storehouses. Jeremiah chapter 51, verse 16. When he utters his voice, there's a tumult of waters in the heavens. Ah, yes. Brian and I have taught you many times. That's the firmament. That is the aether. Yes, it's real. That's why the Hadron Collider was built, was so they could detect what you call the God particle. They, of course, want to confuse you and call it the Higgs boson. No, it's the firmament. It's the fluid that occupies the space between not only molecules, but the particulates in an atom. Anyway, excuse me for interrupting God's word. I'll finish the verse. And he causes the clouds to ascend from one end of the earth, and he makes lightning for the rain and brings forth the wind from its storehouses. Ladies and gentlemen, you have to understand that I'm pierced. I wasn't going to talk about this because this is purely celestial somology. But ladies and gentlemen, I hope you understand that the sign of Revelation chapter 12 happens this year. On the exact opposite end of the heavens is, of course, the sign of the 153 fish. Don't you realize that on April the 28th, at the opposite end of the heavens, that the sign for Revelation 12 occurs, ladies and gentlemen, is exactly where Mercury is going to conjunct with Uranus. I find it apropos that Brian would bring up J.R.R. Tolkien because – I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, but you can't talk about the Bible and may not know what you're talking about because I know that J.R.R. Tolkien is directly related to the verses I just read to you. Now, I pointed it out to you, ladies and gentlemen, that… There in 
Psalms 19, verse 6. Its rising is from one end of the heavens and its circuit to the other end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. That's a plain reference to the sign of Jonah, ladies and gentlemen. Don't you realize that the reason why the Jerusalem Bible is so popular is because J.R.R. Tolkien is the one that translated Jonah, but they didn't like it. You see, because he told you the truth, because there he translated what you see now in the Jerusalem Bible because the editors changed it. They couldn't have the Bride of Christ knowing that J.R.R. Tolkien knew what he was talking about. He translated the Colkinsynth. Do you know what that is? Do you know what that plan is? Do you know what it does? That's what the Septuagint says. It comes out and name it. So does the Hebrew, but they don't want you to know that. And J.R.R. Tolkien's the only one that translated it correctly. You need to look that plan up. That did Jonah with the shade. Now, all of you are sitting here thinking, Matthew, you've lost your mind. J.R.R. Tolkien never translated Jonah. Oh, yes, he did. Ladies and gentlemen, from one end of the heavens to the other. Now, I could be very disrespectful to Clinton and Brian right now. I could just take the show over, and we could discuss this celestial somology that God's pointing out to you. But I think I got your attention enough to uh, – oh, my gosh. Please, ladies and gentlemen, you need to believe God's word, the Holy Bible. Uh, I, I don't know how else to put it. I just I just don't know how else to put it because – let me say it one more time. Clinton has gone out of his way to remind us this is two programs in a row, what's coming down the barrel here at the end of this month. All of you seem to be enamored by this sign in Revelation chapter 12. You need to be able to look to one end of the heavens to the other. Mercury… … is going to come together with Uranus. You need to know what God means when he does that, the opposite end of the heavens of this sign and why it's happening when it is. And you certainly need to know exactly what plant God was talking about because let me tell you why this plant is so important. Ladies and gentlemen, because… I've had several conversations here over the past month, and I got kind of frustrated with people because they don't believe in miracles anymore. I just get got sent a link uh, from somebody asking the question, when the economic collapse happens, are you going to let people – no, I'm not going to be here, ladies and gentlemen, but I'll tell you what I'll probably be taking with me is seeds of this very plant because I know what it is. I know what it does, and I know, ladies and gentlemen, that there is almost no fruit under the heavens that can be grown right in the middle of the desert. But the sign of Jonah can. And, ladies and gentlemen, I don't understand why you don't believe in miracles. I don't understand why you think that you can spend all your money on Beans and bullets and bullion. 
I don't understand why you don't realize that when you flee, if you believe God's word and you believe that the sign of Jonah is very important, well, there's more than one sign of Jonah. Don't you realize that? Yes, ladies and gentlemen, the coxinous plant growing up, providing him shade, I hate to tell you that was a miracle. It was a miracle. I mean, well, I've rambled on too long, and most of you are probably upset that I've interrupted the news. I'm sorry about that. Uh, I am not perfect. Anyway, just consider these things, and, and I want you all to know from the bottom of my heart, when the economic collapse happens, I'm not going to be here. I'm going to do exactly what I was told to do. I'm not going to be here. So don't come to my house. You knowing my address is completely fruitless. When you come here, it'll be vacated. I don't think I know what. How do you think I know who translated Jonah? Ladies and gentlemen, I'm not lying to you. Look it up. When it comes to the bibliodiciacy, Well, I, for one, need a desperate break here. I'm being completely rude uh, to my co-host. I think a shot of revelation will do me some good. Let's sit back and relax and listen to uh, the Apocalypse, chapters 4 through 7. You're listening to the End Time Tribune. Revelation chapter 4. After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was, as it were, of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone, and there was a rainbow round about the throne, in sight like unto an emerald. And round about the throne were four and twenty seats, and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting, clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. And out of the throne proceeded lightning and thunderings and voices, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was a sea of glass like unto crystal, and in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts, full of eyes before and behind. And the first beast was like a lion, and the second beast like a calf, and the third beast had the face of a man, and the fourth beast was like a flying eagle. And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And when those beasts gave glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne, who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne, and worship him that liveth forever, and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. 
the Revelation chapter 5. And I saw on the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven, nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne, and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book, and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain, and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And I beheld and heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beasts and the elders. And the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb for ever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth for ever and ever. The Revelation chapter 6 And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard, as it were a noise of thunder, one of the four beasts saying, Come and see. And I saw, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. And when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, Come and see. And there went out another horse that was red, and power was given to him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth, and that they should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword. And when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, Come and see. And I beheld, and lo, a black horse, and he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny, and see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. And when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast say, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and his name that sat on him was death, and hell followed with him. And power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with sword and with hunger and with death and with the beasts of the earth. And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? And white robes were given unto every one of them. 
And it was said unto them, that they should rest yet for a little season, until their fellow servants also, and their brethren, that should be killed as they were, should be fulfilled. And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. And the stars of heaven fell unto the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs, when she is shaken of a mighty wind. And the heaven departed as a scroll, when it is rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. And the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains, and the mighty men, and every bondman, and every free man, hid themselves in the dens, and in the rocks of the mountains. And said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us, and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? the Revelation chapter 7. And after these things I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. And I heard the number of them which were sealed. And there were sealed an hundred and forty and four thousand of all the tribes of the children of Israel. Of the tribe of Judah were sealed twelve thousand. Of the tribe of Reuben were sealed twelve thousand. Of the tribe of Gad were sealed twelve thousand. Of the tribe of Asa were sealed twelve thousand. Of the tribe of Nephthalim were sealed twelve thousand. Of the tribe of Manasses were sealed twelve thousand. Of the tribe of Simeon were sealed twelve thousand. Of the tribe of Levi were sealed twelve thousand. Of the tribe of Asachar were sealed twelve thousand. Of the tribe of Zebulon were sealed twelve thousand. Of the tribe of Joseph were sealed twelve thousand. Of the tribe of Benjamin were sealed twelve thousand. After this I beheld and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne, and about the elders and the four beasts, and fell before the throne on their faces and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God for ever and ever. Amen. And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes, and whence came they? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they which come out of great tribulation, and have washed their robes, and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God, and serve him day and night in his temple. And he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb, which is in the midst of the throne, shall feed them, and shall lead them unto living fountains of water, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the End Time Tribune. Let's get Brian right back in the saddle. Um, I want 
him to uh, address some things going on in the Balkans if he can. I definitely uh, want him to talk about that stuff. We've been talking about it behind the scenes. But, uh, Brian, why don't you uh, finish your new spill here? And, uh, you know, I know you've got a lot to talk about, so you can branch out any direction you'd like to go. We've been doing so much work behind the scenes here with calculations and, and just the message you just sent me, Brian. Yeah, I know. I, I, I seen that calculation today. I don't know what made me look that way, but I thought, well, let's go back to the beginning and let's see what happens. So I really don't know how to describe that, but uh, anyway, why don't you uh, finish your new spill and then go into whatever you'd like to discuss uh, because I'm kind of itching to hear it myself. So jump right back on here, back into the saddle, Bri. Well, and folks, as you're going to kind of come to the conclusion here and see, we've been doing a lot of work behind the scenes here concerning events around World War One, And this piece is going to be ready to probably uh, hit the air this week sometime. And as we look at these breaking news stories that are coming out of the Balkans, and everybody realize we are at the 100-year mark of a plethora of events. Uh, 2017, in November, we had the Balfour Declaration. In December of 1917, the British forces captured Jerusalem. In February of 1918 was a very important battle that we would know from the biblical word of Mi'kmash. So we are sitting here on multiple 100-year cycles. Now, very briefly, I'm going to bring up a story here I touched on when we started. As I stated before, and this was actually released on the 30th of March of 2017. I caught this off of um, I-24 News out of Israel. New UNESCO Resolution to Challenge Israeli Sovereignty over Whole of Jerusalem. The resolution was submitted by Algeria, Egypt, Lebanon, Morocco, Oman, Qatar, Sudan, on behalf of the Palestinians. New resolution is set to be submitted by Arab nations on behalf of the Palestinians to the United Nations Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization, better known as UNESCO, will challenge Israel's sovereignty over the whole city of Jerusalem. It goes on to state that this is up for vote on May 1st. Let's go back in the reverse, folks. We talked about this during the videos. Recall what happened in Turkey, as Turkey has come forefront in the center, into the news. The results of that election were announced literally minutes after we got off air last weekend. Now, recall the last big major uh, set of rulings that were made at UNESCO the last time that dramatically affected Israel. That happened during that coup, the Gulen coup, everybody. 
And they did it behind closed doors because if you go back and look at the UNESCO meetings, you'll see it in broad daylight. Well, we continued to go during the coup and then, quote, unquote, we closed shop the next day. But here's the problem. When the resolution was passed concerning the Temple Mount from UNESCO, it states emphatically right in the text that this was done behind closed doors. Folks, that happened right there in the city upon seven hills that used to be known during the Byzantine Empire as one place. But when Turkey took it, it was named Istanbul. And why? Well, folks, they had to take it. Otherwise, the infamous Ezekiel 39 and 38, yes, I said that in the correct order, war does not make sense. They had to have that in their hands. In the first verse alone, with those two chapters, is enough to understand it once you look at what happened during the Crusades after the French Pope called forward everybody for the Crusades, and then they went along and they marched up to Istanbul and then turned around and went all the way back down to Israel. And it baffled me looking at the way they did this until it dawned on me. That's why it's stated the way it is in those chapters in Ezekiel, because they did exactly that. So this gets a little bit frightening now that we've got this on the table coming up with May 1st. And when you consider everything else that's going on in Israel right now, it begins to get a little bit overwhelming. We've got major repercussions going on there in the Negev, up into the Sinai with ISIS. That whole situation is getting more explosive by the moment. We've got stuff going in on uh, the Gaza Strip, the, uh, that Qatar, I believe it is, the um, power plant that was being funded through them shut down this week. We've got hunger strikes. There was a thing that broke loose in Bethlehem, and this just keeps going. There's not enough time in the day to cover everything that happened there. But now let's get over to this catalyst point as well here within the Balkans. This article was actually released on the 7th of March. This is a lead-in, because I've been watching this for some time, folks, in the background. title of this article is Macedonia Sinks Deeper into Post-Election Limbo. Macedonia, an EU-backed election meant to end a crisis in Macedonia, has led to a deeper one, putting a dangerous strain on relations between the country's two biggest ethnic groups. The Balkan states... President George Ivanov has defied calls from the EU, the United States, and NATO to let the Social Democrats, mainly composed of ethnic Macedonians and parties representing the large ethnic Albanian minority, form a government. Ivanov says such a coalition would threaten the unity of the country as the ethnic Albanian parties want greater rights for their community and a broader use of the Albanian language. But supporters, the would-be government say Ivanov is trying to protect the right-wing VMRO DPMNE party, which ruled for the past decade and whose senior officials are under investigation on suspicions of large-scale illegal wiretapping and widespread corruption. Now, everybody, you can find this article over on political.eu. And once again, the uh, title of it is Macedonia Sinks Deeper into Post-Election Limbo. Now, that was then. And everybody, I've been watching this for a long time, and I've been intensely studying 
the history of the Balkans going back all the way to ancient times and forward. The Macedonians, since after the Roman attack, basically the war with Rome, have been continually under siege by a multitude of varied ethnic groups all throughout the region. And this is another project on the back burner considering who it is that the Slavs are. And it's actually quite eye-opening once we realize who they are in the Bible because then it begins to just unwrap and really give us the capability of seeing why certain events are happening in the world as we speak and what they actually are leading to. Now, we had this one come out. This is, uh, once again, this is from political.eu. And the release date on this was April 18th of 2017. So about four days ago here. Europe, Balkan, Europe's Balkan blind spot. After years of calm, a mix of political instability, territorial disputes, and ethnic rivalries threatened to reignite the region. Belgrade, it's fashionable again to worry about the Balkans. After years of relative calm, a familiar mix of political instability, territorial disputes, and ethnic rivalries threatened to reignite the restive region. And European leaders are concerned. If we leave them alone, Bosnia, Herzegovina, Republika Srpska, Macedonia, Albania, all these countries, we will have a war again. European Commission President Jean-Claude Junckers said he told U.S. Vice President Mike Pence last month. Yet it's country not on Junckers' list that could create the biggest headache for the EU, Serbia. Popular resistance to the rule of Serbian Prime Minister Alexander Vukic, a man Brussels has stood behind for years, is growing. On April 2nd, Vukic won the presidency by a landslide, taking 55% of the vote. But every night since, thousands of protesters, mostly young people, have come to the streets of Belgrade and other Serbian cities to demonstrate alleging the election was rigged and accusing Vukic of trying to install a dictatorship. And so far... There's no sign the loud but peaceful protests are abating. While there is a little proof to support claims of voter fraud, the Organization for Security and Cooperation in Europe, which monitors elections, reported concerns about campaign finance and media coverage ahead of the poll. Now, there's more in this article, folks, but there's so much here to cover. Now, why did I stop in blatantly blast out Serbia and amplify that. Folks, you need to know your history. You need to know what happened even leading up in all the years leading to World War I because it was a long string and chain of events. And Serbia definitely was at the forefront and was definitely one of the chief instigators throughout the Balkans for a very long, long period of time. And now we have them flying back into the news with a massive warning that needs to be heeded by all rights. Continue with those other ones. Let's see here. We have, uh, come on. All right. 
This one was just released here on the 18th, about the same day. It was updated yesterday. Albanian Prime Minister, EU faces nightmare if Balkan hopes fade. A little union with Kosovo is possibly is possible should Brussels turn its back on the region. Toronto, Albania. Albania's Prime Minister said a union between Albania and Kosovo cannot be ruled out if EU membership asks prospects for the Western Balkans fake. In an interview with Political that has also covered a political crisis in neighboring Macedonia, an upcoming election at home and the inspiration he draws from Tony Blair, Prime Minister E.D. Rama said Europe would face a nightmare if the Balkans go crazy because EU ascension is off the agenda with the region becoming a gray zone in which other actors have more influence than the European Union. Some Albanian nationalists would like to see Albania unite with Kosovo, the major ethnic Albanian territory to the northeast that unilaterally declared independence from Serbia in 2008. Kosovo's largest opposition party wants to hold a referendum on forming a union with Albania, even though this is explicitly ruled out by Kosovo's constitution. Asked if he would take a union with Kosovo off the table, Rama said no, because the only way to keep the Balkans in this peaceful and cooperative mode is to keep the path to the EU open, to keep the perspective clear, to keep emotions about the EU positive. No one would like to turn in on themselves and look for smaller unions. Everyone would like to unite in the big union. But if there's no hope, no perspective, no space, then of course, little unions may happen. Many fear a union between Kosovo and Albania would trigger a new upheaval in the Balkans, which descended into war in the 1990s as Yugoslavia was torn apart. Bosnia and Macedonia would be especially vulnerable if borders were thought to be up for grabs. Once again, Rama said, a union with Kosovo was not my wish, but a possible alternative to the closed door of the European Union. That's part of that article, folks. And I'm not even going to read these other ones here. I'm just going to give you the uh, other headlines that all started hitting the U- news as of yesterday from here. Unit of threat, Albania blackmails EU, threatens unification with Kosovo. Great Albania initiative can trigger Great Balkan War. Kosovo serves. Terrified by proposed creation of greater Albania. We have also found out in the course of the last couple of weeks, folks, I did not know this until I stumbled upon it. And you really might want to pay attention to this, especially if you, any of those that you recall World War I history with Austria slash Hungary and their role in the beginning of the war. Because Hungary, folks, is now being ruled by a dictator. And let me stop and point something out here, everybody. Besides the uh, ethnic Hungarians, the other part of the population, they're known as the uh, Magyar. I pointed this out time and time and time and time again. Everybody, that's Magog. And even the historical and archaeological proof now shows 
that that was always their region through the varied moves that happened because of all kinds of varied things throughout history as far as having to have migrational patterns, be it collapse, be it attacks, food shortages, invaders, you name it. They had been pushed up into the areas where the Slavs were basically, the ancient Slavic people were living. They had been pushed back to their homeland where they resettled. And like I said, folks, this is validated, verified by historians, archaeologists, all the way across the board by respected scholars and academics. That was always their original homeland where they are living right now in Hungary. So guess what, folks? We know where the uh, land of Magog is, don't we? So now we have, in this entire equation, we have a massive massive explosion about to happen in this one very location. We're in the midst of that, everybody. We have those descendants of Javan, the Macedonians, sitting right at the heart of this. And we know the example and the shadow and the silhouette that the Lord used to show us the first time around the ride with Alexander the Great. History dictates you keep pushing on these people in this way. We know what happened through Alexander's grandfather, his father, and then on down to Alexander. We're watching this all unravel in front of us. And we are seeing this marked reprogression of all the events that boiled up and led to World War I. touch on some of these other stories fast because that's pretty much is uh, a bit of the spiel that needs to be done there for the Balkans. Now everybody uh, recall last week and it was sort of um, brought up to a degree when we talked about the mother of all bombs attack that happened here in Afghanistan last week. Now there's an article that came out of France 24 News. Security forces deny access to site of U.S. blast in Afghanistan. Jalabad, Afghanistan, um, from AFP news source, security forces were still blocking access Wednesday to the site in eastern Afghanistan, where the U.S. dropped a massive bomb on an Islamic State group stronghold six days ago. U.S. military dropped its GBU-43 slash B massive ordnance air blast dubbed the mother of all bombs, in combat for the first time on April 13th. The target was caves and hideouts being used by the jihadist group in the Aiken district of Naganar province. The blast triggered shockwaves, which residents said they felt miles away. It is said by the Afghan Defense Ministry to have killed at least 95 militants, including some IS commanders, foreign fighters, but no civilians. The statement could not be independently verified with reporters, including AFP correspondents, turned away from the site again Wednesday, even though there was no sign of fighting in the immediate area. Ahmad John, a resident of Aiken who fled IS fighting and moved with his family to the provincial capital of Jalabad long before the bomb was dropped, told AFP he had no idea whether his house or relatives survived the attack. No one can go there. They have completely blocked the area I don't know if my house is destroyed. 
They have not even shown any dead bodies to anyone, he said. A spokesman for the Afghan Special Forces said landmines and pockets of resistance on top of mountains had slowed down operations in the area. He did not specify if fighters were Islamic State. Police officials in Nagnar could not immediately comment, and U.S.-led NATO forces in Afghanistan would not comment Wednesday. They said this week they were still assessing the situation. Some Afghans have condemned the use of their country as what they called a testing ground for the weapon and against a militant group that is not considered a big threat as the resurgent Taliban. Analysts and retired General Antikla Amarkilo told AFP the U.S. military needed time to analyze the impact and clean the debris. Everybody pay attention to what it says here. It was not an ordinary bomb. It carried a special kind of explosives. It was tested in a mountainous area for the first time. I believe a team of U.S. experts are now working on the ground to assess the effects and impacts, he said. I'm going to stop there with that article. There's only two sentences left. I hope that's enough to kind of catch everybody's attention. Also, it came into the news. They started popping this story out there around Friday and Saturday. Comey tried to shield the FBI from politics, then he shaped an election. As the FBI investigated Hillary Clinton and the Trump campaign, James B. Comey tried to keep the Bureau out of politics, but plunged it into the center of a bitter election. And now as more of these stories keep coming out, folks, we saw it happen when it went down. Okay, he drops that little nice nugget just right before the election. Oh, we blah, blah, blah are investigating her now. And then all of a sudden, everything went into pandemonium. Thing being, everybody, is if you look back, and these stories also have come to the forefront now, if you look back into the news going back during the election cycle, it stated emphatically that the intelligence agencies were fighting amongst themselves. With the stories that have come forward now, we know why they were fighting. Because they knew what was going on behind the scenes. One side didn't like it. The other didn't really care. Or to put it nicely, are we so certain that we haven't had a Gulen plot in our own nation? I'll just leave that one floating. This one, out of Daily Sabah, Europe, out of the Turkish news source. Pope Francis describes some of Europe's Europe's refugee centers as concentration camps. Pope Francis on Saturday described some of the Europe's refugee centers as concentration camps as he paid tribute to an unknown Christian woman slain for her faith in front of her Muslim husband. These refugee camps, so many are concentration camps crowded with people because international courts seem more important than human rights. Francis said in an two remarks at a ceremony in the memory of a modern-day Christian martyr. I think everybody can go out there and read that one for themselves. And I know a lot of people get up in arms about when the Pope says something. I'm not going down that whole trail. You might want to take note of what he did last week when he stood up and he said, shame on you. Because he was right. 
he was ticked off with the way people are treating these refugees. And I'm glad he stood up and said something. Now, this one is one that bothers me quite heavily. And this only was released. Basically, I saw this released 10 minutes prior to when we went on air. And this might be troublesome if this pans out to being real. Excuse me. Middle East Monitor released this, as I stated, 10 minutes before we went on air. Syria regime. Russia bombs Hamas with white phosphorus. Covered by Russian aerial support, Syrian regime forces have continued striking wide areas in the northern countryside of Hamas with internationally banned weapons. Egyptian news site Murgama reported on Friday. Reporting statements and reports by Syrian activists, including the Hama Media Center, the Syrian regime launched more than 200 rockets and 70 airstrikes on the northern Hama countryside on Wednesday and Thursday. The Hama Media Center noted that the towns of Tibet Elaman, Halefa, and Kafri Zida were mainly affected, claiming that these areas were hit with white phosphorus cluster bombs and napalm. Al-Arab al-Jadid reported the regime forces in cooperation with Russia launched attacks on the northern countryside of Hamas. Al-Arab al-Jadid noted that the aim of these continuous attacks might be to reach Tukhan Shakan in the southern countryside of Hamas in order to conceal the signs of the recent chemical attack that drew U.S. response of 59 cruise missiles. Since the 4th of April, when the chemical attacks were carried out, the Syrian regime Forces supported by Russian planes have been escalating their attack tax against the opposition. According to observers affiliated to the opposition, the northern Hamad countryside has been exposed to more than 3,000 vacuum and white phosphorus bombs since the day of the chemical attack, noting that this was an unprecedented escalation. Folks, I... Really am not certain what say is going on here. But all of a sudden, once again, we have a very alarming report coming out into the news. Problem being is that we're not on the ground there. We don't know what's really going on. Nonetheless, this can be used for the purpose of causing the United States, once again, to jump into the fray, if that's where this heads. This is very bothersome. That's my spiel, and you guys can uh, comment on that from there. Clinton, step up to the plate here. I want you to comment on what Brian had to say, and then I want you to talk a little bit about what you sent me in a private um, because I'm, I'm rather curious to see how you come up with this uh, right off the cuff concerning the September 23 sign. Um, but please uh, comment on Brian's stuff first uh, if you would like to. Um, just kind of rattle my, my brain there, uh, Clinton. You you sent me that calculation. Uh, so jump on here in your comments, bud. Yeah, not a problem. Um, when it comes to the Balkans, we know that uh, that is going to be a major flashpoint. 
Um, they've been talking about the pigs nations for a while, and this is back when the economic crisis happened. Now, the pigs nations were Portugal, Ireland, uh, Italy, Greece, and Spain. Um, back when the economic crisis happened, these countries all basically were bankrupt, um, and they had to be floated uh, bailouts from the uh, basically the IMF, uh, International Monetary Fund. Uh, Greece has had three bailouts since then. Well, we know that this vote that's coming up in France, uh, we know Brexit uh, with you know Great Britain leaving, even Scotland is talking about leaving Great Britain to join the EU. We we know that there's a strong possibility the European Union is going to go through some major crises economically from those splits, which could set off the Balkans, um, exactly what Brian was saying. Um, when it comes to the reports of the white phosphorus, um, that's scary. Uh, the Syrian government, we, we never know what uh, they're going to do. And it's, it's unfortunate. And, and that kind of stems into one other thing. This didn't really make a lot of sense to me until we started talking tonight. But I came across this article, and, and uh, this is from Newsweek. Uh, it says, Qatar and Iran poised to exchange 26 kidnapped royals for towns in Syria and millions of dollars. Well, basically, the article goes through and says there's a hunting group um, of 26 uh, Qatari hunters um, that were abducted by uh, Shiite gunmen. Um, more than a year later, the Middle East power brokers, Qatar and Iran, are expected to seal a deal that will see the hunting group fly home. In return, the Sunni fi- uh, fighters that are besieging the Shiite cities in Syria um, have agreed to allow thousands of residents to flee, um, safely evacuate. Now, it goes on saying, um, Iran entered the deal using the kidnapping of the Qatar royals to leverage the evacuation of 50,000 civilians and fighters from the Shiite towns of Fu, it's F-U-A, and Kafira, it's K-F-R-A-Y-A, in northern Syria. Iran, along with Lebanese Hezbollah, has been in a four-year-long negotiation to evacuate the, the villages encircling, you know, this leader. Now, both of those cities are up by Aleppo, and uh, they're trying to take over those towns. And if they're looking to evacuate the civilians from them in exchange for these royals, there's this possibility now that if Syria is using chemical gas, gases, uh, Russia is using gases as well, um, that maybe these two cities are just going to see a, a major offensive once that these evacuations happen, and uh, there's a possibility these chemical weapons are going to be used. Um, to talk about what, what Matthew and I were answering message about, um, I, I did a brief little quick uh, calculation, um, the, and the calculation was the uh, blood moons. Um, the, the first one happened uh, April 15th, uh, 2014, I believe it was. Um, and uh, the sign that shows up in Revelation 12 is, is showing up in the heavens on September 23rd, 2017. Um, I just did a real quick calculation and, uh, you know, give or take a couple days, uh, comes out to 1,256 days. Now, we know from a prophetic standpoint, the mark of 1,260 is very important um, you know, for those that can't do quick math, that, that equals three and a half years. Um, so, so basically from the mark of the, the first blood moon um, to the sign that happens in September, 
it's three and a half years. Uh, so I, I just sent that to Matthew, and I'll kind of hand it off and see see what your take is on that, man. Clinton, when you sent me the the message, I immediately brought up my program to check it, and the sign progresses until October the 4th when Mercury enters the sun. So, ladies and gentlemen, this this calculation is 1,260 days. I find that rather amazing, everything that's going on uh, with celestial somology. But uh, how do I put that? I mean, I, I don't want to be rude by any stretch of the imagination, but there's a whole lot more going on than all of you understand, even Clinton. Um, all of you know that I took astronomy in an institution of higher learning, and there's more going on with the ex-eclipse that happens than any of you realize. I've already plotted off a map of what exactly is being marked off because everybody is forgetting something that's of massive importance when the ex-eclipse happens. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, it's being flanked by two signs. I can calculate exactly what those two signs are standing over. You all know that the Lord our God has instructed us to do this just like the Magi did. The sign that occurred stood over the manger. I can do this translate signs that flank the ex-eclipse. There's something being marked off on the ground that is extremely important that goes back to Tecumseh and the prophet. It goes... Well, if you're in love with this system, it goes places you don't want it to go. But I've calculated out the two borders left and right that's being marked off there, and it's not. It, it, I need to hold my tongue. Uh, that's what I need to do. I don't need to give more information than I'm prepared to give. Uh, Brian, what do you think about this calculation that, that, I mean, it amazes me how this happens to us on air. Uh, Clinton did not do this randomly. Okay? He literally did this midstream. I don't know what entered his mind, but I know what entered his spirit, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, I'm well aware of the simple fact that half of everybody in churchianity says that there's no gifts of the spirit now. I appreciate that. Okay? But we could argue that on multiple occasions on this very program, the Holy Spirit has gotten involved. I mean, you could literally go back and get some of the Bands of Time videos and literally prove Brian and I to be prophets. Literally. 
a lot of you across the globe have sent me the documentation along with the the very minute mark as to where we set it, and then you gave the very calculation to how many hours it took for that to come to pass. I got a kick out of the one that was exactly 84 hours. That that was funny. So I appreciate uh, all the thoughts about the gifts of the Spirit today in churchianity. However, the End Time Tribune, we're not a member of that. We're a member of Biblianity. And we know full well that the Spirit of the Lord our God, He comes and He goes as He sees fit. He has been active. He is active. And of course He will be active. And He comes and goes as He sees fit. So, let's get Brian's take on this this random calculation that since that blood moon is 1,260 days, Brian, what? I don't even know where to go with that. What's what's your thoughts on it, Brian? I mean, that Clinton would randomly throw this on our heads. That's crazy. But then I want you to comment on what we're going to do uh, coming up here. I don't know. Sometime this week, Brian and I are going to uh, do some special broadcast on specific topics. So give your comments on that and then give a listener a heads up on what we're going to be covering here in a few days. I'm not not sure how long it'll take, but they need to be given a heads up on that too, Bryce. So jump in here one more time. Well, to answer your first question, I'm sort of grown used to the spirit moving in this way when we're doing programs. It just becomes, well, I've said it before, I'll say it again. There are things that are natural. The calculation coming up, ironically enough, it's rather bothersome that I'm even going to say this. I'm almost not surprised because we've been working on all sorts of things, looking over all kinds of different things concerning the timeline and all of that, and the things we keep stumbling on on a continual basis are now getting to the point where, let's just say I've gotten into I don't sleep much mode because I know there's things I have to go in and look at again, and there's things I have to go in and readjust a mistake maybe I made previously to fix it again. We literally... And I've spoke about this before time and time again, and they used to find this whole this symbol all the way throughout the world where you've got that spiral, that, you know, the circle that starts on the outside and it continues to wind around and wind around inside of itself, inside of itself, inside of itself until you get a little point where it stops. We're literally looking at time. The way these patterns are working and so forth, within isochronal eschatology, we've literally got this spiral working. Call what I stated before. I had told people quite some time back, if you see some warships being scrambled from Cyprus, we need to know, because this is going to happen again. I knew that because that's what the Bible says. It shall not turn out this time, or the last, as it did before. 
Well, we spoke about that word on air. That word also can mean West, which that in and of itself is almost frightening. Matthew brought up the Herodim that once again were targeted this week. I knew to watch for that because it happened the first time. So therefore, I knew they were going to come front and center again. All right, folks, we need to watch for his secondary force, which is about to arise. I've said this before throughout all the videos. Everybody understand, ISIS is stage one. We still have another force yet to come forward. That in mind, going back to what we're going to be covering this week. Now, let me throw something in here, folks, real quick. I went and checked this. It turned out Matthew looked at it earlier today on top of it, too. We take that last eclipse within the blood moon jubilee of September 28th of 2015, and you hit the rewind button going back 10, 1,000 10 days for two years and under, that is going to put you at 12-22-12. Now, you consider the time dateline. Everybody recalls the December 21st Mayan prophecy. And I still have the videos on my hard drive from the work we did leading up to that, folks, years back. Consider on top of it. In September 23rd of 2012, exactly five years to the date where we're going to see this wondrous sign from Revelation 12 appear in the heavens. Jews worldwide called out for Messiah. It was all over Israeli national news. It was a major, major, major event that is spoken of in a plethora a prophetic text all throughout the Bible. Everybody should have seen that and recognized, folks, this is major. That was five years ago to the very day that this sign is going to show up in 2017. Now, what we're going to be talking about this week draws into the correlations of everything that happened in World War I and what led up to the retaking of Israel going from the Balfour Declaration in November, and then Israel was essentially captured by the British general at the time in December, and then turn around in this amazing battle that is definitely an exact mirror of what happened in the Bible throughout Samuel and it's all over the place, actually, folks. It's encoded very, very deeply in the Bible, just from the word for Micmash. When you break down the other places, that parts of that word can be found in the Bible. But when you see this timeline, you understand what it is that's in the documentary that I watched earlier this week, what they said concerning we recognize this 1,335-year mark was at this point in history. See, it had us baffled for days. But the problem is, is there's two calculations in it, and both of them are enough to rock your world. Because there's a literal 1,335-day calculation that leads you right up to the catalyst for World War I. And then there's also the 
year calculation. And as they brought up in this documentary, they stated emphatically, we recognize the prophecies in Daniel concerning the 1290 and the 1335, the 2300. We also recognize the prophet, the prophecy in Haggai relating to this and folks they're not joking when you see this it is going to be enough to rock your world and you're not going to understand it unless you have that exact time frame of when that temple was restored the second temple when messiah was born when the crucifixion was unless you will not see it unless you have a connect chronology And folks, they love to play their games with chronology since the beginning of the 1900s. I think that's enough on that. Give you this last few minutes, Matthew. Sorry. No, it's all right. That's all right. I think I said a little bit too much this episode. I kind of butted in and kind of got off the course of news. I shouldn't have. That was pretty disrespectful on my part. Quentin, why don't you come in here and uh, give your websites and say goodbye, and then I shall take us out. Yeah, not a problem. Um, you know, thanks again, everyone, for having me on. Uh, it's a great pleasure to be here. Uh, easy way to find me, uh, find my website, ClintonCoWatch.com. My last name is spelled K-O-W-A-C-H. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, the same handle, um, many news articles. And I, I wanted to leave you guys with uh, just a, a quick verse, or a couple verses. Um, and it's Acts 2, uh, 18 through 21. It says, Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs in the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So thanks again for having me on here, guys, and uh, may God guide you on your journey. All right, bro, I jump in here, give uh, your websites, whatever, and say goodbye. Everybody, you can find me on Twitter at uh, The Bands of Time. You can find our YouTube channel. Once again, it is The Bands of Time. And if you would like to send me an email with any questions, you can contact me at thebandsoftime at gmail.com. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. God bless. Ladies and gentlemen, you can find me at intimetribune.blogspot.com. Uh, I've got everything rigged over there, so you can just click and find me on Twitter and all that, that good stuff and all the other media that uh, we've got going on over there. I don't know what else to say outside of Godspeed, ladies and gentlemen. God bless. <laughs>